The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Sunranto Show is brought to you by all of our Patreon subscribers, who we call the Super Ranters. Who are the Super Ranters, you ask? Well, the Super Ranters have their own Sunranto RSS feed, and they get the show early and ad-free delivered right to their inbox or podcatcher. Super Ranters get bonus content, like the recording of tonight's post-show conversation. They get exclusive access to the Super Ranters Facebook page and private Discord channel, which we plan on using a ton this season. Our Patreon patrons, they're eligible for all of our Sunranto contests, like the Super Rancher of the Month and Sunranto Scavenger Hunts. At the $5 level, Super Ranchers get to hear all my Cubs parody songs and download them before the rest of the world. $10 Super Ranchers are recognized by name at the end of our live shows and will have access to our Cubs Daily Show starting this coming season. Details on that to come. $12 gets you the Rancher calendar, and you can even place an advertisement about anything you want at some of the higher levels. Super Ranchers, they even get access to our show notes and the pics and videos we use to produce the live show. Comes in real handy during the season if you want to know about the pitching matchups and the stuff we looked up. Plus, and this is important, 10% of all of the Patreon money goes directly to the Lost Boys Baseball Club, which uses baseball to help decrease violence and improve the social conditions for young people in Chicago. Because it is one of Sunranto's main missions to serve our community. And that's how we do it. It's how you do it when you subscribe. Here's the thing. It costs money and lots of time to produce a great Cubs fan show. And frankly, a penny a download from podcast advertisers like gambling syndicates and dick pill companies is not enough to keep the Sunranto show on the air. We've got hosting fees, streaming fees, equipment that we have to buy, tickets, beer, batteries, guitar strings. It all adds up. So become a super ranter at patreon.com forward slash Sunranto and become a part of our Patreon family for the 2022 season and help us produce the Sunranto show. Final plea. If you'd buy each one of us a $12 beer at Wrigley Field for just performing the Sunranto show for you, then join us at the $3 level. It's that simple. Three bucks a month. We each get a beer at Wrigley. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Don't make me say it again. If you subscribe today, you'll never have to hear me ask you to become a Patreon patron or a Super Rancher again. So stop making me waste your time. Sign up for as little as $1 a month at Patreon.com forward slash Sunranto. Please join today. This is Fergie Jenkins. You're listening to Sean Randall, the 69th Beth Cup Podcast. Fuck! You said it, Bill. <laughs> Fuck! God <laughs> damn. What it? Yeah, so I... I it's a I, sad, sad day. Yeah, well, welcome to an emergency episode of the Sunranta Show. 
I wanted to uh, give Michael the opportunity to, uh, I, I mean, it's a little past Festivus for the airing of grievances, but you got a big grievance. Everybody knows who watches this show that none of us are really fans of the DH. We're all fans of National League style ball, but um, you have a unique position on it. I know everybody that's watching right now is uh, wants to just hear from you and not me. So, Michael, take it away. How do you feel on this sad day? Uh, it's this is a disheartening situation. <laughs> no, it's it's really it's it's really super frustrating for me. Uh, I think some people think that it's a it, it's an act or whatever. I truly think that this is like the second to last nail in the coffin of the sport. Uh, the next thing is going to be expanded playoffs, and when they do that, the game is over. It's the game is over. It won't even be worth watching anymore. I mean, uh, I, I never was garbage. A, I never was a, a huge football fan, you know. But uh, I did lose interest as the game changed from something that I had enjoyed, like in nineteen eighty five and eighty six. Of course, that team was very easy to like. You right. got the fridge and Peyton and McMahon and all that stuff. Richard Dent, you know whatnot. But uh, you know this. The it, you know if you're watching the game and you're used to a certain pace and you're used to a certain rhythm, there's something that you like about it. And then, you know, pitchers hitting like we all know pitchers aren't good hitters. We we get that. You know that's not the big that's not the problem. It's the the strategy of the NL style game that gives the. I think I saw Bill Suggs say today is like might as well just have uh, you know a robot manage the team because you don't need a manager anymore. And we already know that that's all those advanced, you know, uh, metrics are all coming down from on high. This is how you got pitched this guy. This is how you're going to get this guy out. The shift, all of it just goes to change the game and sometimes not for the better. I mean, personally, I'm not going to miss watching Kyle Hendricks suck at hitting. I'm not. But I'm also definitely going to miss – watching weird baseball happen like Travis Wood hitting a home run and then well, or playing or, left or field to keep him in the game. Kyle, Kyle Hendricks, not a great hitter, but he does hit sometimes. And I think that people are such whiny bitches about the strikeouts that they don't ever fucking stop to think about the absolute joy that you get when you see a pitcher hit and totally fuck the guy on the mound, right? The guy on the mound's out there. He throws it. He thinks he's got the pitcher. It's going to be simple. The pitcher either walks or gets a hit. And all of a sudden, that dude on the mound's fucking, like, ruined, you know? Uh, and up there, uh, Wheeler Dealer says odd makers want consistency. And I think that I think that has more to do with it than anything because they don't want interesting baseball. They want predictable baseball. That and that's what the AL is. It's predictable baseball. And it's boring. And, I mean, look, I'm not going to go into a ton of this because, actually, I have a baseball podcast called the Baseball Rabbit Hole, and I spent 40 fucking minutes on it. And I spent months putting the shit together. And it's just too in-depth, really, to explain everything. But... That's how facts and truth and shit just get destroyed in this world. 
somebody says something fucking stupid that sounds like it's right, like, hey, you know it'd be good if if everybody played by the exact same rules. That would be a great idea. I agree. It sounds like a fucking good idea, but it's not. It's not a good idea. The fact that there was two rules, and everybody always gets this wrong about me too. They think I want to get rid of the DH and the AL. I don't. The ALDH is the fucking beautiful mistake. Yeah, it's what makes AL baseball suck and make you like the NL more. Now you're like, well, I don't know. Might as well like the White Sox. It's the same now. It's what makes a White Sox-Cubs game somewhat interesting. Because outside of that, there's nothing interesting about it. But, you know, hey – White Sox pitcher has to hit or the Cubs are who are the Cubs going to throw in there at DH and see what that's going to, you know, do. That is what makes the game interesting in the World Series. The World fucking Series just took a major hit because they took a a storyline out of the most important series of the entire year. Kyle you have Ford two teams back. You went in it two in couple. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and by the way, this is a intro. We're going to release re, the on the Sunranto feed. We're going to release the ninth. It's the ninth inning, right? It's the ninth inning a beautiful called mistake. the big mistake or beautiful, the beautiful mistake. Yeah, beautiful mistake. Now it's a big mistake. It was a beautiful mistake. Now it's just a big mistake. Yeah. Um, we have to uh, watch uh, – actual hitters hit instead of pitchers <laughs> terrible well but uh, <laughs> but here's the thing it's not even you know and, and this is the other thing you know people act like oh well they're going to replace kyle Hendricks with big poppy no they aren't mm-hmm. they're gonna replace him with like a fast like 220 hitter who's gonna be yeah, anyway they're, yeah. they're gonna replace him with terrence gore yeah you know you because he's gonna all. fucking <laughs> barely be better but if he can get on base then he's good and he doesn't have to play the field. Like that's all it's going to be. You're, you know, and I mean, come on. I, you would rather watch Terrence Gore than Kyle Hendricks. I mean, no, we picking on Kyle? I would not. I would not. Terrence Gore is a fucking terrible hitter. Like if, if you want to do that, put him into run. I mean, but that's the no, next thing we're getting. Point. We're going to get the designated runner. They're just going to choose the fucking catcher. Now, because of his bad knees, if he gets on base, they're, oh, pull him out and put in the designated runner so that the catcher doesn't run because nobody wants to watch a catcher fucking run to bases. That's not true. We want baseball to be baseball. We want to watch interesting things. And you take this shit away, and, and mark my words, this shit is going to change the entire league. It's not going to end with this. Pretty soon, because there's, there aren't any differences in the rules, they are going to merge the fucking uh, AL and NL Central in the same sort of way that they do with the AFC and NFC for uh, football. Well, they're looking – that's, I think, part of this. They're looking at expansion. They want at least two more teams. Then they're going to go four team divisions. Then they're going to expand the playoffs from there. Now, maybe if you've got extra divisions and they still weight the divisions, I was thinking that then expanded playoffs could kind of still work out to being hard to get into. You know what I mean? Like, Because it wouldn't be a wild card thing. You'd have to just beat three other teams, which, frankly, that's all you got to do now anyway – and then the Pirates, 
you know, so like they don't even count as a team, although they do pretty well against the Cubs, it seems. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, I, I think it's good. I think that might be part of it too. You're going to look for the uniformity. I do think that gambling interest angle is really interesting because I, that's, that is a nuanced decision you can make, whether to put the, to take the pitcher out or put him in this way, you know, the starting nine at the very least when the game starts, when they release the lineups that afternoon. Right. Um, you don't have to worry about pinch hitters coming in or, or if they have to pull a pitcher early <laughs> because of offensive reasons. Um, and I had honestly, Danny, I had never thought about that until I heard you say it on Bleed Cubby Blue. And then I was like, that makes a ton of sense. But, but here's the thing. This is, and this is what people don't quite get still, still don't quite get. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the game. It will never be good for the game. This is not something that will make the game better overall it is the first step in the you know just beige nothing but beige as far as we can see and it won't really matter well, and you see it with hitting styles you see it in the, even in the training it's just like it, you know yeah. but that's why i really like marcus stroman because i'm sure he was told he is not going to be a successful baseball player because you're only 5'7", and you certainly won't be a pitcher because you're only 5'7". He's like, no, no, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the best athlete I can. And, you know, so he has his specialized skills. You know, everybody has their specialized skills, but if you look across the board of the training videos and the virtual reality goggles you can wear, or Chris Bryant's dad, they're all teaching the same way to hit. You sell out in every pitch. Home runs better than a single, you know, which it is. I mean, it is that the numbers do bear that out, that if you strike out three times and hit a home run on the fourth, that is actually better for your overall numbers. No, 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 no. It's bad for the game. It's right. Okay. As long as you say, put that caveat in there. It's It's bad bad for for the the game. game. It can be good for your numbers. It's bad for the fucking game. I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. It's the homogenization of the game just okay now we're all gonna play by this one rule we're all gonna hit the same way we're all gonna pitch the same way we're all gonna be six six in the bullpen we're all gonna have a 97 mile power slider that maybe we can control you know it's just like and that's what you want i mean but you know i always love when you're like what's interesting when a guy comes in and he's submariner and he's well, throw an underhand or like to do does something a little it, bit it, different it, that's it, what it's six extra innings are gonna get rid of that Extra innings right. are interesting, but no, we're going to get rid of it. You know, I think two rules is interesting. No, we don't want to yeah. do it. See, but, it people- but like you said, you know, uh, just a second ago, when you were talking, you said, you know, they want everything to be the same. And, and yeah, we all want that. But we're wrong about that. We're yeah. all wrong about that. It's this, it's, we think we want a thing because on face value, on the shallowest level, it makes sense. But as soon as you start to dig into it, you're like, oh, no, that's going to take away all these other parts. And that's what I've been upset about for the last fucking three, four years is that all these people who say they're uh, anti-DH, they don't want the DH, they like the NL ball, but in the same breath, they're like, eh, but it's coming anyway, so I guess I don't care. Yeah. You fucking gave up five years ago. Yeah. Oh, no, I get, no, I gave you know, up less time than that. 
Well, I wasn't saying I you as in you. You as in the general, the the royal no, you. I, I did give fans up gave up were... years ago because they just Even kept Al pushing. Yellen. They they just kept pushing the fucking lie. Yeah, that it was. It was coming. just coming. Yeah, exactly. That was the. It was just like a final like war of attrition. They would just like beat beat everybody down with it, and then you know they have their examples of the guy that like strope or getting hurt. Uh, in that play, well, Trump shouldn't have been up there. Like that was, you know, I no, that mad at that, that problem. You know? That was that yeah. was a problem in the dugout with yeah. Madden. Fucking, yeah. there was no point to that ever. That didn't make any sense ever. Yeah. Madden played weird baseball when he really shouldn't have been. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, it worked out for him uh, enough for it to be legendary. But still, uh, but no, it's. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't like the style. I mean, I, I feel like there's a certain rhythm to getting to the bottom of the order, the way that that there's a that sacrifice role interests mm-hmm. me. How uh, lineup construction? Now you're still going to have lineup construction, like who's going to hit in front of who. That all makes sense. Who's going to get on? Who's going to knock them over? Who's going to knock them in? That'll always exist in baseball, you know. But um, you know, when you take that hole out of it, it, just becomes way less interesting and. Pinch hitters, that, well, are, that why do, do you even have pinch hit like yeah specializations like who a guy who can come off the bench like a Tommy Listell and just get a knock for you? Like, you're going to have more guys sitting on playing. that bench. I guess losing their career. The yeah, they're just going to lose their career now. They're going to make it up to the bigs and sit on the bench for three months. And never, you know, and and maybe get a couple of shots out in the field or whatever, but that's going to be it. Then their career is going to be over. It's like when you're playing the MLB video game. Like, you always use the exact same guy to be your pitch hitter. You know what I mean? You're like, well, I'm going to use the best guy. And if the game happens to exist longer and it ends up being a long video game, you use your second best guy. Those bottom three guys, they're never going to get it at bat because mostly you're not going to pitch hit at all. Like, ever. Why would you? So you'd be, have a lot of dudes sitting on the bench. Maybe they're defensive replacements. You know, maybe they're speed guys. Like you said, like opens up a idea of a Terrence score. But it what it doesn't do is force you to use your guys. Because a pitcher, let's face it, he's only getting one or two at-bats a game anyway. In this, it, in it, this game. And, that's, and that's why the numbers, everybody talks about, oh, the fucking AL is so much better. That's why the numbers actually don't bear that out. The no. AL is just a minuscule hair's breadth better and they, were, and they weren't always and it's you know, only which, because uh and it's because the the pitchers don't hit very often they get two at bats at most it's rare to even if they could get a third at bat i mean they don't even let guys pitch into the seventh inning which is how long they would probably need to be in to get three at bats yeah no, I agree. It's it doesn't make it. It's really not that big of a difference. It just takes away the strategy of having to use your guys on the bench and having it the also, bench in the National League be a very important element to your game. To your game depth in your team. Like now, you just got nine healthy guys. You just throw them out there every single day. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and and you could have somebody now. If you look at somebody like a Nick Madrigal, who's not necessarily the best fielder, and you could be you know, just a 300 hitter DH and you can plug in someone better in the infield. It does solve a problem for the Cubs having a DH in that very specific way. But again, see, and that's what, that's what I hate about 
a lot of Cubs fans is that they'll say, oh, well, our team could use this and our team could use. All teams get it, it though. Yeah. All teams get it. And it doesn't fucking matter. It's, it's worse for the whole game. Just because you think that Kyle Schwarber would have been wonderful as a DH on the Cubs doesn't mean that's good for baseball. It just means that it might be good for him. That's it. And, and overall, the offense is going to be more boring within the AL because you don't have that last spot, the dark hole in your lineup. So the seven, eight, nine guys can all swing out of their fucking shoes if they'd like, because there's a chance they're going to hit one. Yeah. So they do. And those numbers are all lower. The batting averages and shit for, uh, Six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, yeah. like are all lower by position. Out uh, center field is the only one by position that the AL beat like leads in, and it's because these guys don't have to worry about that hole in their lineup. And defense, your pitchers out there getting his ass fucking shelled in the second inning. He's got two outs. He can't get out of it. Well, he used to have a pitcher coming up. He's like, oh, all I got to do is get through this motherfucker, and then I can regroup and come out and pitch the third inning. That's never going to happen again. Yeah. He's going to be gone. So it's not – it's just not good. Yeah. It's not good. It and, and, I don't th- and I don't think I'm hyping this up too much by relating this to – 2003 when I said George Bush was bringing fascism to America. I think they're on the same fucking level here. (laughs) He was an owner of an AL team, so you got something there. Well, I looked at the top 10 OPSs. I'm looking at them right now from last year. And you have the Blue Jays with the top OPS with 797. And then you got the Astros and the Red Sox. So the top three teams are AL teams. But then you got the the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Reds. So it's then it's just like even. It kind of evens out there. Then it goes White Sox, Nationals, Braves, uh, Rays. So in the top ten, you got five and five. And that is with – this is overall team OPS. And then uh, – it, it, so it's pretty even, or it's at least minuscule. I mean, the Blue Jays were ridiculous uh, as far as their situation. They hit 262 home runs, so whatever's – going on in that Canadian air. I don't know. Oh yeah. You know, there, those are differences too. I mean, just where you're at and, and whether your team is tanking or not, that makes yeah. a big difference. Cause even the Rockies, like even with their live ballpark, they weren't in the top 10 in home runs. Like, so then you look at home runs, which is supposed to be, Oh, uh, you know, the DH is the big hefty DH that hits 50 home runs a year. Well, that's literally not what happened because the blue Jays are number one far and away. Then you got Giants, Braves, and Dodgers. So as far as homers go, it's it's the reason all, for oh, that is yeah. that there's no there's no fucking actual DH. There's no DH. Everybody talks about oh, there's this new position. There's no new position. 2020, we saw it. They just fucking slot new people in there all the time. They're they're giving breaks. They're doing things, you know, which whatever. It just doesn't fucking. It, it's not a, everything people think about the fucking DH is wrong. You're all fucking wrong. That's what I just in <laughs> in my head is exploding all the time because everybody thinks 
this one thing and they're wrong. They're fucking wrong. Everybody's wrong about this except for me. I'm the only one which in reality makes me a madman, makes me a fucking yeah. crazy person. And I like doing episode for you. <laughs> really, I mean, it really is. Maybe you're just on TV and it's all a big reality show. So, um, oh, I know, and it's being manipulated. Like, let's just fuck with Michael today. Yeah, yeah the Truman exactly. Show. Well, uh, I mean, it's not inked in yet. So, I mean, I know it's one of those things that you have to see that it's definitely coming because I believe the players want it. But I wonder if they would do something if they don't like this deal that's going to come on the under the table on Saturday. I think I read that's when the next offer from MLB is going to be without the mediator. And, uh, but I, I guess the DH will be a part of that deal, but who knows? Maybe the players are like, no, actually we don't want the DH and this, this thing sucks. And that's something they throw back. What do you mean? Like, why did you say that publicly? Like we didn't agree to that. I, I was just, I was just going to say that, that would be the funniest fucking thing in the world is if, uh, you know, Manfred said that, and MLBPA came came back and was like, "You weren't supposed to say that," and so we're taking that off the fucking table. I would laugh my yeah. fucking ass off. And then everybody that rejoiced, <laughs> you know, and then you can rejoice, and laugh in their face, pointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the most annoying thing in the world today. I'm not paying attention. I'm doing other shit, and all of a sudden, I look on Twitter and I got fucking like, you know, fifty uh, quote tweets, and everybody's like. What do you think, Cotton? It's like the worst fucking news. Like every, you know, it's like ah, uh, you know, Cotton's You're, favorite player died. How about we all tell him about it all at the same time? Like this is a fucking worst thing. Uh, you found and everybody is like piling on, just like you know, it'd be funny. What if we fuck with Cotton? And I'm just like, this is not like, funny to me. Fu- yeah, I'm funny. crying hey, over here. I, I got you to come on a show. I'm like <laughs> coming back from the gym. I'm like, hey, you want to go on a show and, and get all pissed off? <laughs> but no, you found out for, before me. I found out on your tw- on that tweet when you were when you said like, quit fucking with me. That's how I, I found out. Like, That's fuck you. How I found out. I'm like, what's this all about? Oh, the DH came. Oh, God. Oh, we should do a show later. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Are we almost done here, Dana? Yeah, I, th- I think we could be done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually... go I'm gonna go punch a wall or yeah, fucking yeah, kick a dog, do something. Just get drunk. <laughs> I can't even do that. I'm fucking losing weight. This goddamn weight loss challenge. I drink vodka straight. There's no <laughs> beer, you know. So, uh, well, it's, you know, there it is. End of an era. I feel like there's been a death. I do. I don't, I'm not pro DH. I never it's, liked the rule. I think it's stupid, but here we are. It's, it really is. I mean, this is, this is the beginning of the end of baseball for real. Like they think they're doing something here. That's going to improve the game. And they're not They're They're doing something to make the game more dull. A game that is, constantly talking about how it's too boring and it's too long and is it they just took interest out of the game they took an entire style of baseball and they just threw it away and somehow that's making it better yeah that's like and so one of the greatest hitters of all time was a was a pitcher 
named Babe Ruth. And they're like, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, the, so, oh, that was another oh, thing I wanted the, to point the greatest, out, too. The greatest um, star on the cover of MLB The Show, Otani. Yeah, I was I was just gonna bring that up. Like <laughs> this rule goes into place the year after a fucking pitcher led the American League in home runs in like RBI and in fucking like ERA. Like he was the best goddamn player we've ever seen. No one has seen a better player than Shohei Otani. I mean, we've seen better hitters. You know, maybe we've seen better pitchers, but we have never seen a better baseball player than Shohei Otani. He fucking came out. He he dominated this league in every way possible. And what do they do? They're like, well, that fucking sucked. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. Well, here's the but a guy like Shohei Otani can DH in the games not playing and not risk his amazing pitching. You could fucking put a you could put a pitcher at first base. Well, no, I've always thought a pitcher should should move over to first base. Like you pitch one day, you get a day off, and then you move to first. You don't throw at first. Some of these guys, though, (laughs) you know, I mean, they just can't do it. Like you know, no, I yeah, yeah. And with the specialization of the game, I'm just saying that there's a reason Otani went to an AL team. So right, but at the, but at the same time, that goes directly against the argument that if a pitcher hits, he's going to get injured. But you're going to let this pitcher fucking be your DH? Yeah. Well, but what about the argument that that's terrible for him? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we'll find out. I guess <laughs> we're about yeah. to find out what it is for everybody. But I'm not a fan. Yeah. Well. Okay. So this has been, you know sort of a lead in uh to uh the ninth inning the beautiful mistake baseball rabbit hole uh if you like it um you know look for it i'm i'm actually working on uh the second season now and uh you know so i'm hoping to get nine more episodes out sometime and this is the ninth inning but you can listen to them in any order Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if the podcast was like, no, if you didn't hear spoiler the first <laughs> spoiler alert, <laughs> we give away like who the murderer is in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. Uh, yeah. So you know, but yeah, I, I hope you all like it. If you do, uh, you know, follow follow that, subscribe to it because I will be having some more come out. Um, you know, and I don't know. Well, I want to write a song called Designated Hater, and I think it should be a funk tune. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll dedicate it to you when we when we get it recorded someday. Or should it be like a fucking really slow funeral dirge? Just like, designated hater, all my life is over. <laughs> well, I was going <laughs> to maybe make it about like all the things I hate in baseball. The other yeah. things I hate about baseball, and then maybe I'm the designated. I don't know. I got to work it well, out. It, instead of uh, some will come. Instead of war is over. What was that? Was it Beatles or John Lennon? War is over, but it's baseball is over. Baseball's right? over <laughs> with DHs. Um, there we go. Yeah. All right. Well, here is the ninth inning of the baseball rabbit hole. And for those of you that join on to this live broadcast, which I just put it out there to the Patreon patrons, 
whoever felt like uh, being a part of this moment, momentous moment. But I'm also going to release it as a as a regular podcast on the Sun Ranto feed. But all right, well, we'll see you next Wednesday, eight o'clock. Uh, yep, regular showgram time. All right, take it easy. Have Try and keep Super your uh, head up. <laughs> Bye. This episode of the Sun Ranto Show was brought to you by all of our Patreon subscribers, who we call the Super Ranters. Who are the Super Ranters, you ask? Well, the Super Ranters have their own Sun Ranto RSS feed, and they get the show early and ad-free delivered right to their inbox or podcatcher. Super Ranters get bonus content like the recording of tonight's post-show conversation. They get exclusive access to the Super Ranters Facebook page and private Discord channel, which we plan on using a ton this season. Our Patreon patrons, they're eligible for all of our Sun Ranto contests, like the Super Ranter of the Month and Sun Ranto Scavenger Hunts. At the $5 level, Super Ranters get to hear all my Cubs parody songs and download them before the rest of the world. $10 Super Ranters are recognized by name at the end of our live shows and will have access to our Cubs Daily Show starting this coming season. Details on that to come. $12 gets you the Rancher calendar, and you can even place an advertisement about anything you want at some of the higher levels. Super Ranters, they even get access to our show notes and the pics and videos we use to produce the live show comes in real handy during the season if you want to know about the pitching matchups and the stuff we looked up. Plus, and this is important, 10% of all of the Patreon money goes directly to the Lost Boys Baseball Club, which uses baseball to help decrease violence and improve the social conditions for young people in Chicago. Because it is one of Sunranto's main missions to serve our community. And that's how we do it. It's how you do it when you subscribe. Here's the thing. It costs money and lots of time to produce a great Cubs fan show. And frankly, a penny a download from podcast advertisers like gambling syndicates and dick pill companies is not enough to keep the Sun Ranto show on the air. We've got hosting fees, streaming fees, equipment that we have to buy, tickets, beer, batteries, guitar strings. It all adds up. So become a super ranter at patreon.com forward slash Sunranto and become a part of our Patreon family for the 2022 season and help us produce the Sunranto show. Final plea. If you'd buy each one of us a $12 beer at Wrigley Field for just performing the Sunranto show for you, then join us at the $3 level. It's that simple. Three bucks a month. We each get a beer at Wrigley. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Don't make me say it again. If you subscribe today, you'll never have to hear me ask you to become a Patreon patron or a Super Rancher again. So stop making me waste your time. Sign up for as little as $1 a month at Patreon.com forward slash Sunranto. Please join today. Today's episode of the Sun Ranto Show is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in 
at Sports Drink, spelled like Sports Drink, but without vowels. S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. No vowels. Sports Drink. Um, all we ask is that you close the door behind you, because we're trying not to let the funk out. Sun Ranto Show, brought to you by Sports Drink. Check them out today! Hey everybody, Michael here. I just had to jump in here to let you know that this podcast has been edited from the original that I previously published. As I was working on season two of the Baseball Rabbit Hole, I realized I had made a minor mistake in this podcast, so I decided to fix it. I changed three sentences to reflect more accurate numbers. I tell you this because I have new equipment now, and you may hear a slight change in the 14 to 15 minute area if you've got really good ears. It wasn't anything big, but I felt like an idiot having that mistake in the show. That's it. Enjoy the ninth inning. Play ball. Welcome to the ninth inning of the Baseball Rabbit Hole, the baseball podcast where I ask a baseball question and follow the rabbit holes that open in the internet. This week is a podcast I've been thinking about for quite a while, and I couldn't get out of the first game without addressing it. What's up with the DH? First off, I don't know when you are listening to this podcast, so I probably need to explain something here. It is currently 2021. And there are two leagues in professional baseball. The National League is 25 years older than the American League and requires that pitchers hit in the lineup each game. The American League had the same rules until 1973 when the owners of the American League decided to test out the designated hitter as a gimmick to drive up flagging attendance. The two leagues have had different rules for the last half century. It is an oddity that makes Major League Baseball unique and fun and is currently in danger of being changed, despite the fact that a pitcher in the American League, Shohei Itani, just finished a season for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in California, USA, on the planet Earth, with an ERA of 3.18 and 46 home runs, 100 RBI, and a 965 OPS. Look, I love the fact that both leagues have different rules, but in order to defend that position, I needed to know more about the DH. So let's head down that rabbit hole. Good one. First off, the DH was not a new idea in 1973. As a concept, the idea of using a designated hitter in place of a pitcher has been around since at least 1906 when Connie Mack, owner and manager of the Philadelphia Athletics, proposed it to the American League because he had pitchers on his team that were too good at pitching to bench even if they weren't good at hitting. Which has always been the case because pitching is hard and managers have pushed their pitchers to spend more time pitching than hitting. The idea was laughed out of the room, but Connie Mack continued to own the team until 1954, so the idea never went away either. In the 1920s, John Hadler, the National League president from 1918 to 1934, 
tried to introduce the DH in an attempt to speed up the game, which on average was less than two hours long at the time. The more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess. Of course, this doesn't make any sense because baseball games do not get shorter when you add offense. The game is not on a clock and only ends after 27 outs, which means that games are actually faster if the pitchers get to face hitters that aren't as good. You know, like, mm, pitchers? So if you're worried about the speed of the game, the DH is not a good idea. But logic never stopped anyone from having dumb ideas. This dumb idea never gained any momentum, really, until the late 1960s, when pitchers began to start dominating the game, and the MLB batting average dropped from 258 in 1962 to 237 in 1968. Now, this was due mainly to MLB expanding the strike zone in 1963 from the traditionally known strike zone of armpits to the top of the knees. The new zone went to the top of the batter's shoulders instead of the armpits and the bottom of the knees instead of the tops of the knees. Batting averages were dropping due to the new strike zone, but it wasn't the same across both leagues. The NL was about nine points higher than the AL on average from 63 to 68. Although 11 of the top 20 pitchers were in the National League, the American League just wasn't as good at hitting. In 1968, the NL hit 243, but the AL only hit 230. In fact, over 12 years, six years before they changed the strike zone and the six years after, the AL only hit better than the NL in one season. On average, the NL hit about 5.3 points better than the AL from 1957 to 1962. That jumped to nine points over the next six seasons, which included differences in the teens from 1966 to 1968. Both leagues suffered under the new strike zone, but the AL was losing ground to the NL at an alarming rate. After the 1968 season, the league changed the strike zone back to what it was before 1963, and they also lowered the mound from 15 inches to 10 inches. This helped averages go back up. Now, I should note that in between 1961 and 62, the league also expanded by five teams, and in 1969, they added four more teams. The first expansion could have helped exacerbate the hitting issue and the 69 expansion could have kept it from rebounding quite as much as it could have. But I had to limit that discussion to this quick blurb due to how deep that rabbit hole may be. From 1969 to 1972, the NL still continued to hit better than the AL by about six and a half points, which was actually a point more than they had been 10 years before but only half of what they'd seen over the last three years of the expanded strike zone. So what does all this mean? It means that the AL had a lower batting average than the NL for the 16 seasons leading up to 1972. And then what happened? Well, I'll go deeper into that rabbit hole after this message. Everyone needs to subscribe to this podcast. 
But also, go subscribe to The Sunranto Show on YouTube. That's where my Cub-centric podcast records a live show that is later available as a podcast. We need all the subscribers to that channel as we can get. So tell a friend, too. Also, go ahead and subscribe to the Sunranto Show podcast on whatever podcatcher you are using. Now, let's get back to the show. So I just told you that the American League historically had worse batting averages than the National League. The other thing that they were historically worse in was attendance. Over the 10 years leading up to adding the designated hitter, the National League averaged 7 of the top 10 best attendance rates. The American League teams rarely ever got into the top 5, and only once, the World Series champion, 1968 Detroit Tigers, did any of them have the top spot. With the addition of four new teams to Major League Baseball in 1969, attendance overall continued to go up, but some teams felt that per-game attendances were down. With the American League barely ever in the top five of attendance, they were feeling this a bit more than the National League. In the winter between the 1972 and 73 seasons, the league debated over whether to implement the DH. The American League owners thought adding offense would improve attendance at their games. The National League already had the best attendance and the better offensive averages, so they weren't bent on trying to change things up. The National League voted no, and the American League voted yes. At an impasse, they decided that the American League could implement the DH for three years. After the three years was up, then the league would have to decide on whether or not to adopt the rule for both leagues. Before we move on with what happened in the DH for those three years, let's take a moment to find out about the first time the DH was used. On April 6, 1973, Ron Blomberg, hitting sixth for the New York Yankees, stepped into the batter's box as the first DH to play in a regular season MLB game. Blomberg was facing Louis Tiant of the Red Sox in Fenway Park, with the bases loaded and two out in the top of the first inning. Blomberg drew a walk, and Matty Alou scored to put the Yankees up one to nothing. Blomberg would end up going one for three with a walk in that game. But it didn't mean much as the Red Sox defeated the Yankees 15-5. The other first DH on the Red Sox was Orlando Cepeda, who went 0-6. So overall, the DH produced one hit and one walk in 10 plate appearances that game. The totals across the league for the DH on opening day was 10 for 39 with four walks for a 325 OBP, with four strikeouts and four RBI. Pitchers in the National League that day went two for 21 with one walk, two RBI, and six Ks for an OBP of about 142. In addition to this fairly large gap between how well the DH hit versus how well the pitchers hit, the AL scored 49 total runs to the NL's 34 total runs. Now that sounds like a win for the DH, except that of the six opening day games in the AL, only three of the six games were even competitive. 
The other three were blowouts of five runs, 10 runs, and 10 runs. In the NL, all six of the opening day games were within three runs, which you could argue is a better type of game despite the lower offensive numbers. So it's a toss-up as to whether opening day in 73 was a win for the AL or the NL. Now, let's get back to this three-year experiment. Between 1972 and 1973, the AL and NL both saw significant jumps in how many runs were scored for the season. But the difference between the two leagues actually got narrower. The AL scored an extra 1,873 runs, which is a ton. But the NL, without changing their rules, scored an extra 797 runs. In 72, the NL led the AL by 824 runs, but in 73, the AL overtook the NL, but it was only by 252 runs. So while the AL scored more runs than the NL for the first time in many years, it did not make them dominant by any means. Outside of the increase in runs, both leagues did increase their average offensive numbers as well. The AL added 20 points to their batting averages and 61 points to the total OPS over the season. That is quite a jump for the AL. But like I said, both leagues improved and the NL also went up by 6 points on the batting averages and 19 points on the OPS. As I said before, the AL was playing catch-up to the NL. So while the improvement for their league was a big jump, it barely put them over the top of the NL. The difference in batting averages was only 5 points, and the OPS was 12 points in 1973, which accounted for a per-game advantage in runs scored of... Um, hold on, let me do the math. 162 divided by... Uh, carry the 12. Uh, the circumference of pi. Uh, Pythagorean theorem. And you get point. 259 extra runs per game in the American League in 1973. So while the DH did bolster the offense in the AL, it did not make the AL any sort of a powerhouse in comparison to the National League. In fact, over the following two years of the DH experiment, the American League dipped slightly and the NL gained slightly. So the difference in the offensive stats ended up being statistically insignificant between the leagues. Even so, the difference between the American League with the DH versus the American League without the DH was statistically different. With the DH, the American League had finally found a way to match the offensive output of the National League. Therefore, in the minds of the AL owners at least, the DH was a success offensively. But let's not kid ourselves. Increased offense was not what the owners were really looking for. They wanted different numbers, numbers that were printed on dollar bills. And the way you get those numbers is by increasing attendance, more fans, more money. In 1972, the American League had a total attendance for 12 teams through the whole season of 10,838,000. In 1973, the first season of the DH, their attendance jumped up to 13,433,600. If that's the whole story, it makes the DH a super successful experiment. But wait a second. 
If the AL made a little less than a 20% increase from one year to the next, were they just taking those fans from the NL? Or were they new fans completely? Let's look at the NL numbers. In 1972, the NL had an attendance of about 15,530,000. And in 1973, that jumped up to about 16,670,000. About 1.1 million new fans showed up, even without the DH. Plus, with their already high attendance, they had less room to grow going into 1973. The increase in fans means that the AL wasn't taking fans away from the National League. These were all basically new fans to baseball. This is possibly a result of the drama surrounding the two leagues having two separate rules. I mean, nothing creates interest like controversy. Of course, in 1974, the American League attendance did dip by around 300,000 while the National League actually went up again by about that same number. In 75, the American League gained 100,000 fans back from that 300,000 they'd lost, and the NL dropped the 300,000 that they had gained. That being said, after the 1975 season, the American League had gotten the numbers it was looking for, the green ones. Regardless of whether it was the increased offense or just the difference in leagues that drove the climbing attendance, the American League was all in on the new spot in the lineup. The ambiguity of those numbers did not convince the National League that the DH was something they needed to adopt. And once again, the two leagues were at an impasse. Ball one. I know this is new but this topic is much larger and in-depth than I normally go into. I'm not following a ton of rabbit holes in this inning of the podcast, but I had to get into this one. Let's talk about the postseason. At this point, I need to point out that the American League won two out of three of the World Series championships from 1973 to 1975. Was there an advantage to having the DH in the World Series? The answer is no, because there was no DH in the World Series. During the experiment, the DH was not allowed at all in the World Series. So despite making the pitchers hit for those seven games or whatever they were, the American League won two out of three of the championships. That seems like it would be counterintuitive because you would all of a sudden have pitchers hitting in a lineup that they hadn't hit in all season long. Apparently, the DH just didn't make that big of a difference. As I said, the leagues were at an impasse, and now they were stuck with what to do. But instead of forcing the two leagues back together, the AL and NL just decided they would keep the rules as they had been for the last three years. The experiment of having two separate leagues with two different rules was now the norm. The one thing they did have to decide on was how to handle the difference between the leagues during the most important series of the season, the World Series. Well, they did what baseball always seems to do. Something stupid. For the 10 seasons following the official adoption of the DH by the American League, 
the DH was used in even years and no DH was used in odd years, regardless of which team had home field advantage. While it seemed idiotic to simply rotate whether or not to use the DH based on even or odd years, it's about to get stupider. When the two leagues started playing the World Series back in 1905, okay, okay, technically it was 1903, but that's maybe no, another rabbit hole, and the 1903 World Series can eat it as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, back in 1905, the two teams in the World Series simply flipped a coin to determine who got home field advantage. That maybe made sense at the time because maybe they didn't think about home field advantage. But what didn't make sense is that it took the MLB another 54 years of flipping coins before they decided that maybe the home field advantage should not be left up to chance. So in 1960, they changed it to the even and odd years format. Yes, they took a stupid way to determine home field and replaced it with another equally stupid rule. But wait, it gets better. In 1960, the first year of this new way of determining home field advantage, they awarded home field to the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you're following closely, you already know why this makes the DH thing so insane. Starting in 1976, the DH would be used in even-numbered years. You may have noticed that 1960 is an even-numbered year, and the World Series was played in Pittsburgh. So the MLB put two and two together and came up with 11 or something crazy because according to their rules, the DH was going to be used in even years when the National League had home field advantage. And there would be no DH when the American League had the home field advantage in odd years. So not only did they make the World Series home field a completely arbitrary system, they purposefully built in the DH rules to go opposite of the league with home field advantage. This seems insane to me, but apparently they were trying to muddle things up enough to just eliminate any true home field advantage at all. In 1976, the World Series home field advantage rabbit hole meets up with the DH rabbit hole, and for the next 10 years, the most important series in every season is being held under alternating, contradictory, idiotic rules. Finally, prior to the 1986 World Series, somebody figured out that these arbitrary DH rules didn't make any sense, so they changed them to the current rules, where the field determines the rule and it changes throughout the series, thus returning home field advantage. Despite this change, the flip-flopping of home field advantage was still determined based on even or odd years. MLB did not change that part of the rule until 2003 when Commissioner Bud Selig actually made things worse when he decided that the All-Star Game would determine home field advantage. The league that won the All-Star Game determined the home field advantage until 2017, when finally, after 112 years, MLB decided to determine the home field advantage in the World Series by which team had the best record. I mean, was that so hard to figure out? Ugh. Anyway, in 1973, things changed forever. The DH would create a different brand of baseball, and it would ignite the debate the fans have been having ever since. Should there be a DH? 
When I come back, I'll talk about what the DH actually meant for baseball and beyond not having pitchers hitting, why the debate is misguided and why I call the DH baseball's beautiful mistake. I hate commercials, but I do need to take a moment to tell you to subscribe to the Sun Ranto Show YouTube page. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the baseball rabbit hole. Now, let's look at the DH and how it's actually been used over the almost 50 years we've had it. Because you might be a bit surprised. I know I was. The argument has always been made that the DH is an actual position on an American League team. I mean, people always say that some players need to move to the American League to be a DH, or that the DH is a way for older players to continue their career. I mean, it makes sense because in theory, there is an extra position in the American League. You'd think that, but you'd be wrong because teams aren't really using it that way. In 2020, I got to see this up close. As a Cubs fan and an NL fan, I just hadn't seen how a season of the DH would really work for them. What happened is that they rotated guys through the position constantly in order to give a sort of day off to players where they could just hit and not play the field. Nobody on the team was just the DH. I just figured this was a result of the NL just not thinking of using a DH prior to the season since that came about late in the garbage year of 2020. It turns out it wasn't that. The way the Cubs use the DH is the norm. I looked up all the DH positions in the American League in 2021 to see who the best designated hitters were and what their numbers were like. What I found is that only four players actually played more than 100 games this season at the DH spot, and one of them was a pitcher. Shohei Otani had the most games at DH this year with 126. The other ones were J.D. Martinez for the Red Sox with 113 games, Giancarlo Stanton with 108, and Fran Mill Reyes of Cleveland with 103. In fact, only six total players broke 81 games, which is half the season. So basically, 11 teams used the DH spot to rotate players, and four of them have a DH. Now, I thought, maybe that's just 2021. So I went back 20 years to see what happened back then. There were actually less DHs. Edgar Martinez, Ellis Burks, and Brad Fulmer each played more than 100 games at DH, which means only three out of 14 teams even had a real DH. Only five teams had players to break the 81-game mark. Now, I was intrigued. What if I went back 20 more years to 1981? Well, I couldn't go to 1981 because there was a strike, and guess what? That's going to be a different rabbit hole because that was interesting. Anyway, I went to 1982 and found what could be made of the heyday of the DH. Well, seven teams had a full-time DH out of the 14. It's 50%, which is much higher than they have now, but that still seems low. As a lifetime National League fan, 
I was told that DH is an actual position a player has in the AL. Turns out, it's never really been that way. Even in 1976, the first true year of the DH, after they tested it and adopted it, the AL only had four designated hitters that played in more than 100 games. Despite all the stories, the National League fans have always been right. The DH isn't a real position. It's a spot to rotate guys around for pseudo days off or for matchups. So anytime anyone makes the claim that so-and-so should go to the AL to be a DH, you need to explain that on any given year, there's probably only one-third of the teams that actually deploy a DH as a position. This also means that the idea that it's a highly paid spot that the players union wants to keep is a myth too. Sure, you can find a few names that fit the bill of older super hitter extending their careers. Those names are few and far between. Trust me, look it up. And most of the guys who got the most at bats at DH each year are no names you've never heard of before. The big names always played the positions and hit. So far, the only purpose of the DH is so that pitchers don't have to hit. I mean, that's it. That's the only thing. Well, and the American League attendance thing. But most of what we have heard about the DH over the years is actually just like partially true at best. Hey, there's a drop third strike and he's running the first. That's right, folks. I thought about ending it right there, talking about how the DH just wasn't a real position and all that stuff. Um, But hey, this whole episode has been a bit of a departure for this podcast in that I already had a point of view of what I was trying to work towards rather than just following the rabbit holes that I found. This change in format continues as I delve into some of my own personal beliefs about the DH. I do not like the DH. I mean, there are a few reasons for this. I'm a lifelong Cubs fan and they play in the National League. So most of my experience watching baseball has been to watch National League teams. It made me a National League guy as a kid, and whenever you accept labels, you tend to defend the other people who identify with that label and dislike people with different labels. Uh, This is not an enlightened position to take in any aspect of your life. But I was a kid and had not yet learned that lesson. As a National League guy, I just hated the American League. I didn't know why I hated them. Like I said, it wasn't an enlightened position to have. But... Arguing that you hate something just because it's not exactly like the thing you like is pretty stupid. I was stupid because I hated the DH. On the flip side, all those AL guys who hate the NL because of pitchers hitting are just as stupid. I'm not justifying my own ignorant attitudes by pointing out that someone else had ignorant attitudes too. But those AL guys are doing it too. Anyway, the argument that the DH was better at hitting than the pitcher seems like a pretty strong argument on the surface. But something never felt right to me about that argument. If all things were equal in the vacuum of that argument, and it was simply the DH versus the pitcher, then the American League really would have a giant advantage. But they don't. Because baseball is not played that way. So if we want to look at the effect of the DH, we have to look at the game as a whole. 
Two positions does not make a baseball team. The easiest thing was to see if the American League had dominated the National League in the World Series. Because that's the most important series of the year, and it's the only time the AL met the NL each year since the DH began. So let's take a trip back to 1976, when all of this began, and see how the leagues fared in the championship. The National League has won 21 of those championships, which leaves the American League with 23. If you are wondering why those numbers don't add up to 45, it's because there was no World Series played in 1994. In the last 20 years, the numbers actually shift towards the National League, 11 to 9. And this includes a stretch from 2003 through 2016 when the American League had home field advantage for 11 of the 14 years. Talking about home field advantage, we learned earlier that from 76 to 85, 10 years, the DH was alternated each year. The AL won three of the World Series in which there was no DH, and the NL won three with the DH. Each league had five champions apiece and were 20% more effective when playing the game with the other league's rules. Over the entire 44 championships, the AL has 11 different teams as World Series champs, and the NL has 12 different teams. The Yankees were the big winners with seven championships in that time, which was far and away the most. In the NL, there were three teams with three championships each, the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Dodgers. So what does this tell us about the impact of the DH on the eventual championship team? Nothing. The AL does have two more than the NL, but I don't know how you factor in the Yankees of the late 90s that won four out of five, including three straight. The Yankees won 20 World Series titles before getting the DH, so I don't know if the DH is the thing that got them through. Okay, so championships, which is literally the whole point of sports, can't give us a definitive answer. The next thing is for the stat heads that don't care about championships because they're too busy concerning themselves with spin rate, launch angle, and exit velocity, and making every player a carbon copy of the one before him in the lineup. So what do the numbers look like 48 years later? In 2021, the AL holds an OPS advantage of six points. I'm skipping 2020 because we should all just forget that year as a rule but also because both leagues used the DH. The previous two years were differences of 9 and 8 points in OPS. What does that mean in terms of runs scored? About 0.13 runs per game. That's not even noticeable on the field. The only place to see that is in the stat lines. And that's not baseball, people. That's math. In the National League, the pitcher has a 291 OPS, and in the American League, the DH has an OPS of 752. That's a difference of 461 points. That's a lot. But wait, I just said that the two leagues were separated by less than 10 points in OPS. I mean, how is that possible? 461 is a lot different than 10. Well, if we look at the AL and NL based upon defensive position, the National League has a better OPS at every position except for center field. 
This means that the National League is actually better offensively in seven of the nine spots in the batting order. The reason for this might be because having a pitcher in the lineup means that everyone else has to be a bit better in general to make up for that spot in the lineup. The AL can afford to have worse offensive players up and down their lineup because they don't have just that dead spot in the nine hole. I know what you are all thinking right now. What about the strikeouts? Pitchers suck. They strike out all the time and nobody wants to see that. Okay, let's look at how many strikeouts pitchers have versus what the DH does. Now, we can't really look at just the raw numbers of the pitcher versus the DH because the DH has more than double the number of plate appearances as pitchers do. So I'm going to look at the percentages here instead. Pitchers are not very good. We all know that. But they aren't as bad as everyone thinks. They have a 44% strikeout rate and a 4% walk rate. That means that 52% of the time, Pitchers are hitting the ball somehow. The DH numbers are better, of course, with a 25% strikeout rate and a 9% walk rate. That means the DH is hitting the ball 66% of the time. Of those plate appearances, the DH hits a home run a little more than 4% of the time, compared to 0.3% of the time for the pitchers. The overall BABIP of the hits that are left over is 286 for a DH and 216 for a pitcher which might actually be closer if pitchers didn't have 390 more sacrifice hits than the DH does, because they just don't ask the DH to do a sacrifice bunt very often. But that's only for pitcher plate appearances, which is 53% less than the DH because pitchers get pulled so often. So we have to look at who takes the other 53% of those plate appearances. That's the pinch hitter. He makes up the remainder of the plate appearances, so let's look at those numbers. Pinch hitters have a 642 OPS compared to the 752 OPS of the DH. They walk 10% of the time and strike out 29% with a 2% chance of hitting a home run. Their BABIP is 282, which is almost exactly the same as the DH. When you couple that, with the across-the-board weaker offense by position of the AL versus the NL, you can finally see why the numbers in the AL are not significantly higher than the NL. So then, what's the answer? Should we keep the DH? Should we outlaw it? I'm here to argue that it's neither. In 1973, the American League owners defied tradition and created the DH despite the National League owners not adding it. For the first time, there were actually two separate leagues. Although the DH isn't a huge offensive weapon, it does completely change how the game is played. In the NL, the pitcher is required to come out of games early if there isn't an offensive need. Even when pitchers are pulled in the middle of an inning, their spot in the lineup could make for other moves as well. If they are up in the first and the next half inning, the manager could pull out a double switch to juggle the lineup which could allow his relief pitcher more than one inning of work. When this happens, a defensive player gets pulled from the game as well. This changes the defense as well as the lineup and makes the amount of pinch hitters available somewhat lower. In the American League, there isn't a concern over whether or not to let a pitcher bat for himself in the middle innings. They have a DH, so they just move along and don't give it a second thought. 
The pitcher gets to stay in the game longer, in some cases, because of this. In the AL, there's no need to manage how many guys are on the bench or pull a double switch. The DH eliminates all of that so that the manager can just focus on what is happening on the mound and let the offense take care of itself. I mean, that doesn't mean that things don't happen and managers don't make switches during the game, but it's not as big a necessity as it is in the National League. I personally prefer the way the National League is forced to play the game. I have friends that like the way the AL plays the game. Guess what? We are both right, because there's no significant advantage to having or not having the DH. And if there's not an advantage for either league, it all comes down to personal preference. Which game do you like? Do you like the AL or the NL? This is not a choice available in any other league. It is the thing that makes baseball so unique. The NBA, NFL, NHL, and NWSL all have the same rules, no matter where the games are being played. There's nothing interesting about the teams facing off against another league or another division. In MLB, we get to see what happens when NL teams play in AL stadiums and vice versa. Pitchers hitting or not hitting is interesting. Some critics will just scoff and say a strikeout is a strikeout, so why should we care? But here's the thing. We talk about it. It creates interesting situations. And when pitchers get walked or hit the ball, everything changes. The pressure gets ratcheted up. The game moves. I'm going to bring this back to the 2016 World Series between the Chicago Cubs and Cleveland. Because that series had everything that argues for different rules in different leagues. First off, if there was no DH at all, Kyle Schorber would not have been able to come back from what seemed like a season-ending knee injury to play. Somehow, the doctors determined the kid was healthy enough to hit, but not healthy enough to play the field. So when the Cubs were in Cleveland, they allowed a player who had two games and five plate appearances on the entire season to come back and be their DH. It was possibly the ballsiest move in all of baseball since allowing Kirk Gibson to pinch hit for the pitcher in the 1988 World Series. Schwarber went on to play in four games and hit 412 with a 500 OBP. Are you effing kidding me? That's never going to be forgotten. And it happened because there was a DH in the AL. That Kirk Gibson homer? That's never going to be forgotten either. Because it happened in Dodger Stadium when there was no DH. One reason the World Series is the greatest championship contest is because we get to see what happens when two different styles have to face off. Cleveland had to make 18 lineup changes in the three games they played in Chicago in order to work around their pitchers. The pitchers themselves only went to the plate five times, where they had one hit, one sacrifice, two strikeouts, and one ground out. I mean, that doesn't look boring to me. But this was the perfect example of how having different rules in different leagues made for interesting baseball. Cubs fans were excited about Schwarber. Cleveland fans scoffed at him coming back. Everyone thought the AL pitchers would be 0 for 5 with 5 Ks. But they were 1 for 5 with a strikeout and a sacrifice. The fact that we got to see all of it is why the DH in the AL was such a beautiful mistake. It did enough to make them more profitable and better offensively, but not enough to make them a dominant league. Keeping the pitchers hitting has never hurt the NL in terms of championships or competitiveness. All it did 
was give us two different styles of baseball. We get to see face-off in our championship each year. It's amazing. And I say, keep different rules in different leagues. The DH, it was a mistake in my mind. It was. But it was a beautiful mistake. And we have all benefited by seeing these two different leagues play each other for the last 48 years. But that's going to be it. I didn't make it first on the drop third strike. The game is over. Have a great winter. And maybe I'll see you in spring. Until then, keep rounding them bases. You're out! This podcast took an excruciatingly long time to write and research. So I want to give a special thanks to me for putting in all of that time to get this thing finally out just in time for the World Series. Michael Cotton was also the producer of Baseball Rabbit Hole. I also did the audio editing and sound. I recorded it and put it out for all of you. This program was made possible by financial support from Emily Cotton. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.